the status of the money to improve South Carolina roads and bridges. Let's go to the bench. Legal news, information, and interviews from Collins and Lacey, a leading South Carolina defense firm for construction, workers' comp, hospitality, retail, trucking, professional liability, mediation, government, and ethics matters. The views expressed by the guests are their own and do not necessarily reflect that of Collins and Lacey, its management, or employees. This is The Legal Bench. And welcome to The Legal Bench. I'm Michael Burney, Director of Business Development at Collins & Lacey Defense Law Firm in Columbia, South Carolina. How are state and federal funds being used to improve South Carolina roads and bridges? Collins & Lacey Trucking and Transportation Defense Attorney Luke Richardson has a special guest. Thanks, Mike. Our guest today is Jennifer Patterson, Executive Director of the South Carolina Alliance to Fix Our Roads. SC4 is a nonpartisan, nonprofit organization established in 1981, which now includes direct lobbying and grassroots advocacy efforts to improve our state's transportation infrastructure. Jennifer, thank you for being here this afternoon. Welcome to the Legal Bench podcast. Thanks for having me. I appreciate the invitation. Absolutely. So, when it comes to repairing, maintaining, and improving our roads and bridges, can you explain how the state fund operates? Yeah, so South Carolina depends on federal and state dollars to fund our transportation infrastructure. And so those federal dollars come from, you know, vehicle-related fees or motor fuel user fees at the federal level, a lot of commercial truck fees and things like that. And they also cobble in general funds and things, and we saw that with this recent infrastructure bill. But most importantly, here at the state level, we fund roads with directly with driver and vehicle-related fees. And that's one thing I like to point out to people is sometimes I think, you know, roads are the most tangible thing people see, but I think they assume they're paying so much for the roads. Um, but, you know, those taxes you see coming out of your paycheck and, and things like that aren't going to roads. Roads are funded whenever you fill up your vehicle with gas or diesel. Uh, when you buy a vehicle, when you pay your biennial registrations, there's fees on commercial trucks. It is all very much vehicle user fee related. So the more you drive, the more you pay in essence. That does make sense. There was a road funding bill in uh, 2017. How has our state benefited from it? Well, in 2017, the legislature stepped up and really passed a a comprehensive bill that kind of diversified our revenue streams. So the state is predominantly reliant on the motor fuel user fee or for all practical purposes, what everyone refers to it as, the gas tax. So they increased that gas tax by 12 cents. So we went from 16 cents to now at 28. And they phased it in over six years. So we just had our last two cent increase on July 1st. And they also um, increased the infrastructure maintenance fee, which is essentially that sales tax that you pay when you purchase a car. And they implemented some fees on electric vehicles and hybrids, as well as put some of those biennial fees and commercial vehicle fees over. And all of that money goes into a trust fund. And that trust fund is updated monthly, and it's something that we follow closely. But since passage of that bill, we've seen about 5,800 miles worth of pavements initiated. We've got another, I think, 1,100 and something coming online this year. Um, rural road safety improvements, um, about 700, over 750 miles there. And then bridges, um, I think there's about 239 underway. Um, with a goal of 500 in their long-term plan. So none of this work that we've seen to date would be possible without that funding that was passed. Wow, that sounds pretty uh, pretty impactful. In, in addition to that 2017 bill, uh, Congress just last year in 2021 passed an infrastructure bill. How will uh, those federal funds be put to work in South Carolina? 
South Carolina is going to be able to put those federal dollars to work to kind of go above and beyond that repair aspect that we saw with Act 40. And so we were very fortunate this year that the legislature really stepped up to fund infrastructure, not only with, you know, federal dollars from the American Rescue Plan, but also using budget surplus. Because, um, you know, a lot of times I think people hear all this money is coming down from the federal government and uh, the problem is you don't need anything else. Well, you have to be able to match those dollars, and there's a lot of discretionary grant programs and things included in that infrastructure bill that you've got to have resources to be able to match and utilize that bill to the full extent. So our legislature, and you know, they decided we're, we can't leave federal dollars on the table. So they um, included a $120 million recurring allocation in the budget this year that'll be able, that the DOT will be able to use to match that federal funding. And they're going to be able to put that money to work to really, again, go above and beyond repair. So looking at non-interstate traffic congestion, rural economic development, bridges, which is a big, big issue, um, as well as additional pavements and some drainage projects, traffic safety, really kind of to amp up everything across the board, but stuff that would not be able to be done at a current funding without that federal boost. I see here South Carolina is responsible for an extensive road and bridge network. Why, why should people care about the system as a whole instead of just the roads they frequently travel? And, and how will monies be distributed for highways and interstates versus more rural roads? Well, the size of our system is an issue, and that kind of goes back to the funding perspective, too, because South Carolina is responsible for the fourth largest state-owned system, so over 41,000 miles of roads, 8,400 bridges. So that has to be taken into account, too, when you think of divvying up and spreading this money. You know, it gets spread kind of thin. But the interesting thing is, is about 80% of our traffic occurs on a quarter of our system, and so that is interstates and primary roads. And so that, too, kind of goes into where you see the goals outlined in the long-term plan. But what we've seen is, especially this year, as I've mentioned, those American Rescue Plan funds that came down from the federal government, the legislature took $453 million of that, which was in a state revenue loss kind of pot of money that was the most flexible um, to use because those ARPA dollars are tied with really emphasis on broadband water infrastructure and there wasn't anything in there specifically for roads but the legislature knew okay we've got a lot of needs and how can we utilize this funding and the timelines and and things attached to it and so ultimately that $453 million is going to go to accelerate the widening of I-26 between Columbia and Charleston so that's going to get the next two segments um, in the pipeline um, up Essentially, we're looking at about six years ahead of what, you know, when they would have started otherwise, because um, ultimately DOT's kind of been having to wait on funding to become available and just, you know, segmenting these interstate projects and especially same thing with I-95. And with I-95, we saw some one-time budget um, allocations this year to help accelerate that. And I think that'll probably be one to two years. So, you know, I know everybody wanted this work to be done yesterday, but the good news is, is anytime you can get those one-time allocations to essentially buy time, which is a very unique thing to do, um, that'll get these projects started a lot sooner than they would have been otherwise. Well, that sounds like great news. And as someone who uh, travels that stretch of uh, I-26 uh, pretty frequently, I am uh, glad to hear that they are working on uh, the, trying to get that a little uh, decongested. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
What role do the advancement in vehicle technologies, economic changes, and shift consumer behavior have on infrastructure funding and mechanisms? That's one thing that I think moving forward that we we will be focusing on as an organization. Again, we like to get everybody around the table and kind of see, you know, what what needs to be done or how can we be proactive about this? Because if there's something we learned from 2017, it's that the state can't afford to wait because back then we had waited 30 years to invest. And so moving forward, I think, you know, with you know, the onset of electric vehicles. Um, I'm not saying everyone's going to be driving one tomorrow, but, you know, it's coming, especially in the passenger vehicle, um, you know, sector. And really just looking at the sustainability of our funding mechanisms and do they have the buying power that we think that they have and are they going to be able to sustain that? Because as vehicles get more fuel efficient with the electric vehicles, how does that, you know, um, gas tax component to measure up um, and how do you you know looking at other mechanisms I mean people you know we were our economy is driven a lot by consumer you know demand and we are in a world where we can have things same day delivered if you don't if you have longer than two day shipping it's kind of like well what's wrong with you you know so the magic of Amazon and everything I mean trucking is a vital you know component of you know the economy and that's how goods get to your shelves and that's how goods get to your house and I don't see that changing anytime soon so people you know I realize the roads they travel on a day-to-day basis you want to, they want to see those fixed and that's probably the most you know, that's the easiest way for them to think their dollars are being put to work but ultimately you've got to look at the system as a whole and be able to you know understand that whether you travel 95 or 26 frequently or if you avoid it like the plague you're still using it because you're depending on those um, commercial entities to get goods and services to you know your house. So Jennifer, what are some of the the, the challenges facing uh, rural infrastructure, improving and repairing rural infrastructure as opposed to improving and repairing uh, our interstate system? I think when you look at the rural um, system, a lot of people assume rural, they probably picture one or two cars traveling up a you know, barren road and nothing's there, but maybe some fields. But a lot of times roads that are classified as rural carry a lot of traffic. But our rural um, infrastructure is critically important to our farming and forestry um, industries and load restricted and closed bridges put a big burden on them, not only those to those businesses, but also the local community. So you're either looking at a detour or you're saying certain types of vehicles can't go over these bridges. And I mean, time, time is money. And we see the same thing on the interstate. So when you've got traffic congestion, especially on our interstates, like we tend to see, um, if, if you're fortunate enough to leave Columbia and head to Charleston on a certain day of the week, you have to time that just right. But what we see on our interstates, though, is, you know, you want to see free-flowing traffic. And we saw during COVID when everybody was off the roads that we saw freight moving much more efficiently than it would otherwise because a lot of passenger traffic wasn't on the roads. But, you know, we've got to look at that. We've got to have a safe and efficient interstate system in place to move people and freight. And I know a lot of times people don't like driving alongside trucks on the interstate or sitting in bumper-to-bumper traffic with them. But the thing about it is, is they might not like driving beside them, but they sure won't what's on that truck. So being able to have a system that can accommodate the business community and the general public is, is critically important to South Carolina. I think uh, I think you mentioned it earlier, but if you could expound on the on the timelines, please. So, so some of those major projects like uh, um, I twenty six from Columbia to Charleston. The goal was for different segments 
between Columbia and Charleston to try to fill that gap. And I know the first two, um, you were looking at mile marker 125 to 136, which that's going to be paid for with the ARPA money. And that's about $300 million allocated to that. And then the mile marker 187 to 194, that's about $150 million. Now, with those underway, you're also... Um, the DOT actually has a fund map that I don't know that I can convey um, via podcast, but um, really trying to fill in those gaps and start awarding projects maybe every two years, but get that entire you know section underway before 2030. And so I think everything, I think the latest date that you'd see some projects going out would be around 2029. But essentially that six-year acceleration by accelerating these first two sections with this ARPA money, you're essentially freeing up um, other resources to hopefully keep everything running um, according to plan and, and be able to expedite that um, corridor by six years, if not more. To close, we've been uh, talking with Jennifer Patterson, the Executive Director of the South Carolina Alliance to Fix Our Roads, uh, SC4. Jennifer, thank you again for joining us today. We appreciate your time and the, the insight you had to share with us. Thank you for having me. For more legal news of interest to South Carolina businesses, join us right here for the next episode of The Legal Bench. You've been listening to The Legal Bench from the South Carolina defense firm Collins & Lacey. Learn more at collinsandlacey.com.